Hello everyone. Welcome to the Startup and Career Show. This is the podcast where we discuss the professional journeys of distinguished leaders including startup founders, corporate leaders, authors who share their real life experiences. Today we have with us Mr. Karan Bajaj, founder of White Hat Junior, an edtech company acquired by Baijus, considered among the fastest exits of its size in India. As an author, he's written four books previously and has now come up with his latest book, The Freedom Manifesto. based on his life and startup experiences a very warm welcome current glad to have you on the podcast today my pleasure rishabh great to be here thank you so karan uh, to begin with would request if you could share your professional journeys all these years because you have an unconventional journey so to speak right yes um i my professional journey started after iim i joined procter and gamble and then uh, essentially did that for a, a few years but essentially overall the last uh, two decades of the corporate journey is half i would say in the uh, consumer products domain with uh, procter gamble craft also some consumer projects with boston consulting group then i became the head of discovery in india discovery channel in india in media and then uh, before starting white hat junior and i would say parallelly what was going on was that i was going deeper and deeper into my writing so i had written my first novel in india then uh, ex uh, keep of the grass in 2008 uh, wrote another novel then wrote my first uh, global or international novel was published in 2015 so i almost had a parallel track going with my corporate career of my fiction writing career uh, for that that's been kind of the summary of the journey like half corporate and i would say half writing yeah wow so uh, karan your journey has been quite interesting and the fact that i went through your book right which also uncovered so many uh, things about your about your journey and i'll want to touch base on couple of things but uh, you know the fact is current uh, when your friends were settling down getting married buying homes and all of that but you you were in a very different zone so didn't you feel like missing the bus uh, you know the rat race that people just get into after the college life and all so wanted to understand your state of mind since we have students listening to this podcast i would say definitely i felt like that very deeply to give you a more specific uh... a transition point at about age 29 i had spent about 6 years in procter and gamble straight out of iim uh, indian institute of management bangalore i had done quite well and i was uh, moved from india to singapore and then to the us which was a bit unusual at that point of time to go to the us in in marketing brand management early and and so i had done quite well with them and then um, what i felt suddenly at age about 28 29 was that uh, i was feeling that i would live the same life that i was living uh, for the next 2 3 decades right so i felt like uh, i'd i'd continue to do okay in my job continue to keep climbing up the ladder and it didn't feel like that was uh, what my life should be about sort of a thing fully so in at age uh, 28 29 i decided to leave procter and gamble um, and i decided to i didn't know what i would do next exactly because it wasn't like i wanted to leave job a for job b and i decided to kind of backpack around the world uh, and i had like this dream that i would live in uh, south america i would cross the amazon by boat from brazil to peru so i did that you know so i went to south america and crossed the you know the amazon river by boat and then uh, lived there in brazil peru for a few months then went to mongolia and then to bhutan and then to eastern europe so i i was just like basically following my direction there and and there was a lot of insecurity when i actually made the transition but the worst part was that when i came back i didn't come back very enlightened or i came back i guess some somewhat changed 
but I'd come back on the same day Lehman Brothers had collapsed in the US in 2008, September. And uh, there were no jobs at all. I'd left my job. Uh, and I kind of was very desperate because I'd spent all my money while traveling. And I had no money left also. So I think at that point of time, I would say I was highly insecure because I was uh, reaching age 30. I felt I had nothing to show for it because I was unemployed. I had uh, I was living on a, in a on a couch in my sister's house in the US, looking like applying desperately for jobs for a few months, and uh, no relationship at that point of time. So I was like, you know, and and at that time of time, people were sending all these, you know, in the Yahoo groups that used to be there, people were sending pictures of their houses and their first child, and I was like, you know, I'm really fallen off the wagon, despite the fact that I was doing, you know, I always thought I'd done I'd done reasonably well at IAM. So I I never thought my life would be such a big train wreck. So I really regretted at that point of time my decisions, and and yeah. So so I I did go through that same insecurity. I would say yeah. Got it. So I think especially this this the point for those students, right? Because everybody goes through it. You know, after after some uh, yeah. many years, because the the yeah. career journey is not at a point in time, right? It's a full canvas that we need to look at. Over Correct. Right. Twenty thirty yeah. years, right? It's not just yeah. one 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 no. or two years. Yeah. But uh, Karan, uh, the fact that you've done so many backpack travels, you've also stayed in an ashram, right? Almost become a yogi kind yeah. of a thing, right? So can yeah. you share those experiences as well? How how did they transform you as a person? Yeah, I think dramatically transform me as a person. I would say uh, the first move, the first leap is always the hardest. So as I said, when I'd first taken the decision to kind of travel and backpack and uh, I remember my mother at that point was, uh, you know, she told me that, look, you are uh, in the US now, but that doesn't make you an American, you know, Indians don't do these kind of things, you know, like sort of a thing. And then even my job at that time, Procter & Gamble was like, this is a one-way door. If you leave, you know, you're doing very well. If you leave, we won't take you, or like, you know, the company doesn't take people back. And I think that transition was very hard. And then returning back from that and really being a failure at that, uh, you know, at, at that point, not being able to find a job. But I think the great thing that happened was, in a way, I'd lived my worst case scenario right after the first leap, uh, where I didn't have a job and I had to find one. Then you realize after a while that you do, like, you know, you'll hustle a little bit and you'll find a job again. After three, four months, I did find a job with the Boston Consulting Group. And I realized that the travels had made me really, really deep. You know, I had really changed during this period. I'd written my first novel during my backpacking days. Uh, the novel opened a completely different creative part of my life. You know, I started to realize that all my life experiences were, uh, were like, you know, I'd, I kind of emptied my creative well and I was, uh, I could just see my change as I was looking for more experiences for my next book. So, so I think the first leap was the hardest. Then after that, I started to realize that when you are growing dramatically uh, inside you, then in some way, the world rewards you uh, because of the growth that's happening inside you. So what I saw was that when I came back from my travels, I actually did very well at my job. I was more silent, you know, uh, and got promoted pretty fast again. So I started to formulate this idea that, look, uh, growth inside will lead to growth outside. And the world systems won't be efficient in the short term, but they'll be very efficient in the long term. So in the short term, you'll go through these ups and downs of you'll come back, won't find a job, etc. But in the long term, if you've grown dramatically, then you'll uh, you'll find that the world will reward you for that growth. So then, uh, anyway, that uh, said, then I spent another three, four years in my job and uh, did quite well. And then I had another transition point where I had a choice to either just keep doing uh, my job and I was realizing I was growing very incrementally there or um, take another leap of faith. I was very, my mother had died from cancer. So I was very pulled to this yoga meditation thing. It was very like, you know, it, it really struck me, you know, the frailty of the human body and, 
and and the meaning of life so i uh, in 2012 after after four years of coming back from my first backpacking trip uh, my girlfriend and at that point of time and i decided to um, live in an ashram in india for a year and become yoga teachers and 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 like really deepen our practice of yoga and meditation so i left the uh, i i went from europe to india by road uh, uh, like you know backpacking living on very bare means and uh, reached india and stayed in the shivananda ashram where i did my yoga teacher training then went up to the himalayas in uttarkashi learned meditation and i did that for almost a year during this period so but yeah the, i think the bigger point though is that once you take the first leap and you realize that actually if you've grown dramatically from an experience like this the world will reward you eventually you know because you'll change and in some form or the other if you change for the better then you'll do better in the world i think that really became a mental model of sorts for the future endeavors i took because after a few years again i decided to become a writer full time become a, a novelist and lived uh, did that then i decided to you know leave discovery to start my company and i always followed that same paradigm that look um, grow a lot and 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 eventually the things will settle yeah but but uh, that's very interesting current but uh, when you just spoke about discovery right so at the age of 39 i think uh, since you were doing so well professionally heading discovery india business so yeah. taking leap of faith you've already done that right so what happens you know in the beginning people have nothing much to lose right so they can yeah. take some chances but as you hit the middle life stages yeah. many people get too cautious about certain things right? correct so did yeah. you worry about losing out everything and then again starting off fresh at the age of 39 yeah no i absolutely i would say the worst was probably at age 35 when i had uh, when we had one young small daughter uh, she was 2 years old and we were pregnant with our second daughter at that point of time when i decided to become a writer full time a novelist in the us uh, that i think was probably the hardest decision and then obviously the right a discovery also was a little bit because i was uh, like quite uh, doing well at the corporate career and it was a good job in the in india and i had uh, like again like you know when i was doing a startup again you go from like discovery for example you were um, you know you were like meeting the prime minister for man versus wild with narendra modi you know we were doing all that stuff and suddenly you are in a like in a room alone you know trying to pitch coding classes to parents and everybody is like what is this and cutting your calls and it's very uh, like humbling when you go from a large company to you know starting on your own uh, but i think uh, i had this i i think there two or three things that helped me one was i had these two or three principles as i said one was that growth will always be rewarded in the long term so i knew that doing more a couple of years more as a discovery ceo almost in the old world of traditional media versus running a tech startup of my own building a tech product on my own that's the growth decision so i always have to make decisions of growth versus fear and and that was a good mental model that always make decisions of growth and never make decisions of fear i think the second mental model i always had was that life is going to be measured in decades not in days so so you know the days are going to be painful but the decades are good if you are choosing growth so i think that helped a lot and third i have a model in my book which i call uh, the salary divided by 14 lakh kind of rule in which i always have this rule based on some mathematical calculations that it takes uh, it takes you x number of months to find a job which is equal to your salary that you want divided by 14 lakhs right it's based on some like you know like on on large scale research and stuff so i always had felt like that if i had enough buffer to like find a like uh, to kind of go through the startup if it fails if i have another buffer to find a job after 9 to 12 months whatever that calculation is based on my savings and i should go ahead and take that uh, plunge so i had a little bit of like uh, mathematical frameworks around that you know yeah so i think with that i would uh, like you know i would go ahead and take the leap 
Yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, this is this is very interesting. Uh, you know, current uh, that it reflects that you have not been uh, stagnant at any point in time. You've taken some decisions. It might appear very radical from outside, right? Uh, yeah. And especially to most of the people. But I think these yeah. days now, to even even the young generation do understand these things and they want to follow these paths as well. You know, so that that's uh, very encouraging that you took this possibly when not many people were even thinking of doing that, right? Uh, in hindsight, it appears to be very good. I'm sure, uh, you know, there would be interesting turns and twists that you would have gone through. But uh, current, the fact is, uh, you know, since again, uh, I come back to the same thing because students are our main uh, target audience who will be listening to it, right? I wanted to ask a pertinent question that as the CEO yeah. of Discovery India, you had everything at your disposal, right? Yeah. But as a startup founder, and I read this in your book that you called up around 60 people who had signed up for the trial Whitehead Junior courses. Yeah and none took it forward. So what was your yeah. mindset in that very situation? Didn't you feel like quitting? You know, so what kept you motivated to pursue with the idea? Yeah, so I think um, very, very good question. You feel like quitting a lot, by the way, when you're doing a startup. So I think that's like nobody is uh, immune from that, right? Because it's very tough. Like I think starting a company is, as you know, yourself is very, very tough. Um, I think the two things that keep you kind of like motivated, one is always, uh, I think I would say mission and momentum, right? I would say mission, like I think you really should believe in what you're doing. I had really started Writer Junior because uh, I felt like my life had changed at age 29 when I wrote my first novel. So I felt like creation, building something of your own, whether it's a book, a company, a YouTube channel, a podcast, a blog, the act of creation changes you. And the school system is not about, doesn't encourage creation at all. So I always felt like there should be a parallel to the school system, which is about creation. So right at the time of Vita Junior, the idea was that like, you know, with coding things, would uh, uh, kids would build things. Then we would do music and kids would build their own composition and they would very early in their lives define themselves as creators, right? That was kind of the idea of Vita Junior. So I was very passionate. Uh, I had my own kids. I felt like uh, the school system would not serve this need. And I didn't want to do a better maths product, right? I was really after the right brain that kids would be creators and they would identify themselves as creators. So I think the mission kept me going. And second, I would say, like, I think startup founders have to have this uh, crazy optimism to always set, uh, to have a, I would say a good combination of a big vision and very minute detail uh, execution, right? And I think uh, that combination gives you very good, very good momentum for the small team that you have in the beginning. So I was very good at, like, I would say, setting very short term goals. Ki look, 70, uh, like we've been able to get 70 users to sign up for a trial, but convert karna abhi. that should give us the, so the whole team, like whatever team, do teen log the, they would be focused on, ki un mein se ek ko convert karna hai and understand that process. And then let's define the next milestone and the next milestone. So that daily kind of energy and momentum that a founder can do. Uh, is is very good. I've seen that founders typically either very good at the mission, then like uh, don't have that, you know, that 10x energy to keep pushing, pushing, pushing daily on uh, smaller milestones, or they are very good at the smaller milestones, but forget the bigger mission. I think that combination of mission and the daily momentum is very, very critical. That keeps you going. I think defining smaller milestones, like celebrating those smaller milestones when you get them, right? The first user who converted after 70 calls mm -hmm. was something like that. I think that like that kept, kept keeps you going, you know? Yeah. Wow. This is, this is interesting. You know, focus on the execution, but have a bigger vision. Uh, have a big vision and then focus on the daily momentum. And then I, I always believe that uh, any product, any startup will work. If it has just, I think I've just looked at one thing. 
is it 10 times superior than the alternative that the user is using so i always believed that for kids in grade 1 to 5 in india i saw the alternative the alternative was that they were going for hobby classes or like their nannies were keeping them busy or 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 you know the parents were struggling to keep them busy right uh, or they would drive like a young kid would drive for an hour to attend a chess class those classes had no clear outcome so i always believed that the creative space in india for kids especially in the early years before they get into the rat race of maths and iit was like uh, they had like a lot of time and there was no like uh, Uh, like there was no particular one framework that kind of kept them fully engaged so i thought that a, act, a, a activity based class which was remote so that they don't have to travel at that young age mm-hmm. and outcome oriented that you build an app in 48 classes etc you know that would uh, like uh, frag- uh, organize this very fragmented creative hobby space in india so i always believed that we were making a 10x kind of product versus the alternative and that really kept me going i i was very clear that if you have a 10 times superior alternative for the parent for the child then eventually people will adopt it wow and this applies yeah. to any industry for that matter right I any mean- industry i think even now when i am working on a new startup uh, kind of idea i'm like constantly thinking about that which is is it truly 10 times superior to the alternative that the user is using mm. and does it meet some um, very deep unarticulated human need right like uh, humans are uh, driven by craving by survival by thriving you know like uh, by a community am i really addressing something very deep in the heart through this product so i think maybe because i'm in the consumer space i think my ideas are typically in the consumer space i always think is it 10 times superior to the alternative and is there a very deep human need that is unarticulated that the product is meeting wow. and and if it does then eventually it will work you know like it, like the journey is not rosy but eventually it will work yeah. true true well said current but uh, current uh, i think there are few students who also keep on telling me right that uh, the yeah. podcast that i do with multiple founders and all so yeah. most of them appears to be from a tech background right and yeah. so commerce wale ye puchte hain ki sir abhi kya commerce wale kam startup nahi kar sakte kya so i want yeah. this question uh, you know specifically on that side that uh, you are not a techie you are no, not been on the marketing and the business side of things so yes, how yes. did you create a tech based uh, thing how did exactly. you go in the first space Yeah no it's a very good question i believe that you know to be a founder you don't need to be a tech person it's great to have a tech co-founder but to be honest you'll really struggle to get a great tech co-founder uh, when you uh, when you are at the early stages because like a typical tech a very strong tech guy who comes in as a co-founder etc i've seen that they are motivated by two things tech co-founders are motivated by large scale of impact right where they are artists in their own way they want very that a large a large number of people to kind of look at their distribution and they want a technically complex problem in the early days when you're still defining the product you are not able to create that like i was discovery head right yet i couldn't find a tech co-founder easily who was very very good at that stage right so i think you won't find a tech co-founder easily but my uh, analysis after now multiple categories and now i'm for example playing with some different startup ideas in esg space environment healthcare space which i'm interested in what i've seen is that it's actually very easy to run a zero code mvp it's actually like almost in almost all cases you can run a zero code minimum viable product and get it in front of users within the month of coming up with an idea and now i've looked at multiple categories to see that yes it's actually possible in every category environment health education that a zero code product you can get in front of the users for feedback very quickly the moment you get the zero code idea in front of the users which any commerce guy non tech guy can do 
you get user feedback and if the user feedback is promising promising to the degree that the user is almost taking the product from your hands right the first couple of people who started to use the whiter junior like we we did very zero code right it was a, a like a zoom call with the teacher and a student and they were using a coding software that existed on the internet right and when you saw that the users were loving the product i knew i could build a company right so so i think the the model should be that if you're a non tech person do a zero code prototype within a month of coming up with the idea rather than like going back and forth on karuna karu kya hoga just do the zero code product if you see lose, users loving the product then you can go ahead and start building the company because you can you have the conviction then the people you hire like the tech first tech people you hire will have the conviction and that conviction will then move the company forward yeah Well, thank you, Karan, for answering this. You know, this was, this was one of the questions that I kept on getting it. So, Karan, yeah. uh, the other thing that actually hit me while uh, reading the book was the way you have redefined the meaning of net worth as net impact. So, yeah. can you explain, uh, you know, in in uh, you know, for for our people to just know how are you equating that? Because this is the first time uh, we are hearing this. No, it's a thank you for asking that. I think for me, one of the realizations, and it unfortunately came quite late. was that uh, your net worth is truly tied to the impact you'll make in the world and that's also a bit mathematical the number of people you'll touch with what you're doing and the depth at which you touch them right and that's why typically ceos have great net worth at age 60 right because uh, that's the period uh, like you, you've slowly gone up the corporate ladder at age 60 you're controlling an organization like for example hindustan lever with like thousands of employees who are creating products that are touching millions of people so you have the ability to create that uh, impact on millions of people because you are a ceo but if you want to short circuit that path which is what i say in the book that if you don't want to have that position at 65 uh, you can do that younger uh, if you're able to create a lot of impact because really life rewards you for the level of impact that you create and uh, for me it was quite a shift because uh, i think the shift happened at age around 35 or so uh when after my one year of yoga i think it somehow happened like through the yoga and meditation i somehow understood what like uh, till then if i was even thinking of financial freedom i would think of financial freedom on how can i get financial freedom right at age 35 when i started to think even of things like personal financial freedom i realized it was linked to uh, how uh, effective is the like you know how effective uh, effectively large will be the impact that i have and that led me down a certain way right because when i wrote my third novel which was my first international novel the starting point of writing that novel was how will every word that somebody reads of this book benefit them and i think that shifted a little bit on how i approached that project and then uh, you know and and like you know and when you do that even though the novel didn't work to the extent that i thought it would that it didn't touch millions of people it, it like the show, i guess the book wasn't great enough or good enough to touch millions of people i think it's set me down a particular path and that led me to keep questioning even in discovery i questioned what will i do in this job which will touch millions of people made those bets accordingly then white junior again right from the beginning i always thought of a global platform will kids would be created large and i always thought like it'll be large number of kids would create things so there's both magnitude large number of people and there's depth of impact and i think life typically rewards that a large number of people being touched deeply but if you think about how i gain financial freedom how i should usme your ideas are very suboptimal yeah absolutely karan because i think this is very very interesting because so far net worth was all about taking in and receiving right correct you change the equation by showing the way as giving it out and creating impact thereby increasing net worth yeah. i think uh, thank you thank you for doing that karan this is awesome 
and uh, you know i wanted to touch base one more specific rule that you've uh, spoken in the book uh, which is about 30 by 7 rule right so everybody understands 24 by 7 so for the benefit yeah. of listeners if you can just help me <laughs> yeah so the 30 by 7 rule is interesting right i've uh, funnily enough right uh, i i did a lot of research for the book so that i was not just saying things from the like from my own personal experience of one right the incredible amount of research indicates that uh, it takes 7 years for a startup to succeed if you start a project it takes 7 years for a startup to succeed right uh, and 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 that would mean either one startup will take 7 years or you'll take multiple attempts at startups and it'll take you 7 years when i looked at my personal observation it was exactly that when i really started to think about net impact financial freedom from like you know uh, by creating a large impact in the world the first attempt was a novel that failed then i did another project that failed then i started the company it took me about 7 years also before whitehead junior was uh, like you know acquired by bejo so i think uh, that was the so so it takes 7 years for a startup to succeed at a scale that you are uh, kind of financially free or at a at a very or, or have a large scale and uh, it takes about 30 years to become a ceo from the moment you join the corporate path so you gain the same results in a startup in 7 years that you would gain in a corporate path at 30 years so the 30 by 7 rule in the book is that look you can compress 30 years of corporate life by 7 years of 24 like you know very very hard effort as a by creating something from scratch so if you really are motivated by like you know cutting the corporate ladder in sector then you know just be prepared that'll take you 7 years of like really hard core effort to get there and uh, of creating something of your own but if you do that if you put in those 7 years you'll kind of short circuit 30 years of corporate life in the best case scenario and get the same outcome so i think that's what the book is about and i the strange thing is rishabh i i've seen three industries very closely but personally novels writing uh, media tv movies etc with discovery and then startups they all have the same rule that 90% of those uh, projects fail despite the best people in the world evaluating them startups funded by venture capitalists mm-hmm. uh you know uh, novels published by top publishers uh, tv channels launched by you know top media companies uh, yet 90% of creation projects fail i think that's the one thing people don't understand that look when you do your first startup or your first book there is actually a 90% chance it will fail mm. and that's why one of the rules in the book is 90% failure 100% learning you learn so much from that failure that your next project will be better and then your next project will be better and eventually one will succeed so i think uh, and surprisingly i've seen it with three creation industries zero to one industries exactly the same mathematics 90% will fail 10% succeed but you just have to keep increasing your surface area of taking chances so that you eventually get to the one that succeeds because your probability of success keeps increasing this is awesome yeah. in fact current uh, you've got a nice style of equating uh, all these you know complications into a simple math formula <laughs> where, where right. everybody can understand <laughs> so that's awesome but uh, current in the book i also read somewhere where you suggest choosing experiences over possessions right because yeah. uh, if, and uh, this is of of course uh, your journey has been all about that right so if you can just touch base on that aspect as well yeah i mean accumulate, right yeah. you are you are trying right. to liberate people by saying this yeah and i think that's changed a lot in the world overall i think that's changed a lot uh, which is uh, see i think my general principle is that you whenever i'm uh, like uh, like i i basically try to think that i should not buy anything that depreciates in value and it should so that's why i'm you know even now i don't have a house i've never bought a house i rent i i haven't bought a car i rent i lease my car because i feel like i should not be owning anything that keeps depreciating in value 
I should own things that accrete in value. And typically, those are things that are experiences, right? Because with your experiences, you'll when you put your money behind experiences, then you'll grow a lot. And that's something that compounds and grows in value. While you buy a possession, it just basically keeps going down. So, so I think that's my logic. And as a result of it, I think I have just stayed away from ever buying houses, this, that, like anything that depreciates and put my money instead in like, you know, taking a year to learn yoga. I think what I saw with my friends was that they fell into a trap very early of mortgages and this and that. Right? While I was very liberated at 35, I was like 32, I was like uh, 20, 30, I was like, you know, backpacking. Then 35, I was learning yoga and then uh, like, you know, and then I was becoming a writer because I never had any mortgages, EMIs, etc. to pay. You know, my life was very light. And I saw that with those experiences, I grew so much that they really paid dramatically in the long term, right? And people don't understand that writing a novel is actually very similar to creating a startup. Because uh, in the novel, you start from a blank page and you have to have that confidence that, look, one day this will become a book that publishers will buy and then they'll send it to readers and readers will actually read. So you have to have that confidence that, look, I can create this from a blank page and I have to, I just have to come in daily, keep putting in my input, you know, give 100% of my energy to the input and not think about the output. And with that just model of 100% energy to the input, one day you'll create the book. And uh, startups are very similar when you come at zero, like, you know, and nobody's buying your product, nobody understands what you're doing. Uh, these ideas are always at the edges of a system, never at the center of it. So everybody, like, you know, and you just have to keep showing in. Through, and, and so I think the experiences that I have with my backpacking, my writing really shaped the the journey of Whitehead Junior, for example. So that's why I think the experiences grew. If I spend the whole, my money instead of writing full-time or, I don't know, doing yoga full-time instead of on a house, I don't think it would have given me those kind of returns, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. That's the advice. Yeah. Uh, current, uh, moving on next, uh, you know, uh, just wanted to know one one piece of information in the sense that when a startup is on a growth mode, right? Yeah. The young founders often experience a challenge in developing a team, right? So yeah. can you show share your experiences? How was it like developing the team where people got along and, and how did you go about that? First, I had some models, right? Right at the beginning of the company, I feel you need a hacker, designer, marketer combination which means that you need at least one person in the team who's a hacker who like writes code, a marketer, right? Like who gets consumer feedback on the messaging and the go-to-market. And then you need a designer, which is typically the founder who has the whole product experience in mind, what the product does. So you need a hacker, designer, marketer combination right off the gate. Uh, so I think I had this model. So I was always very clear that the, like, uh, you know, I had a seven-member founding team after a, a few months. Uh, initially, I was zero. Obviously, I was the only one starting. But I had this hacker-designer-marketer combination in that. Once you are creating that product and you have some momentum behind that, I think you're able to build a good team uh, with very clear frameworks, uh, which is, uh, like, I always have this framework, this 37 rule for my team, right? That we will compress in 30 years. So I think I was able to attract people of the same philosophy who were ready to just go all in for a startup with this knowledge that look 30 years of corporate life we are compressing in 7 years in terms of uh, wealth creation in terms of like uh, higher like you know uh, you know promotions etc you'll work very hard but you'll kind of move up the ladder very fast so i think that attracted a lot of the right kind of people overall uh, so yeah i would say just have your uh, like i think your your framework should be clear on the beginning stage versus the later stage and inspire people with those frameworks well true true yeah. true so, Karan, uh, you know, again, from outside, your journey seems to be a wonderful one, right? But, uh, and with so many experiences that you've gone through, 
but you would have also faced many roadblocks and challenges. So yeah. briefly, if you can talk about it and how did you manage or overcome them? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I would say a lot of roadblocks and challenges along the way because uh, like, I, you know, I would say... Uh, like like when i became a full time writer for example for uh, like i was writing for 2 years as i said when my kids were just being born and like you know it was very stressful and my novel was rejected 61 times during that period right so i would i would keep getting rejected and i would keep working and improving it and keep working and improving it and keep working and improving it then uh, eventually it get published and then also didn't work right it was a failure so i had to kind of abandon my writing career start again i almost think that's like the as i said it's a 90% failure route on creation right when you are you're building something you're going to fail and when it happens it's actually very very like uh, like you know in later you can look back at your life and you you can see the tapestry emerge in the beginning it's just unraveled threads you know and you're looking at all these moments and uh, you know i remember going to a like i like when when my novel had failed or uh, like and i was like restarting my career again or trying to look for a job again at that point of time it was like i was comparatively easier to find the job that time because i had some experience in the corporate world by then so i had but i remember going to a family dinner and uh, i remember somebody saying that they would never want their kids to grow up like me you know uh, who are like unsettled at uh, like 35 37 who are like you know constantly kind of trying new things and not settling down and it was very hurtful because i felt like look i was actually a, quite quite you know quite a good student in business school how did i become like such a failure that nobody wants to be like me or nobody wants their kids to grow up like me so i think i just like uh, you know constantly had these uh, anybody who's in some creating in some kind will will realize that it's just a like a journey of like constant uh, kind of failure and rejection and then uh, like you know finding that courage within you that look i just have to give my 100% energy to the input the output is not in my control but the input is in my control i just have to wake up every day with the like let me just give 100% of my energy to the input so i've just been doing that for many years i just don't think too much in terms of like failures and losses and just keep thinking that how do i give 100% of my energy to the input daily you know yeah wow i think uh, this is awesome karan these are such practical gems that you uh, you know you spoken about in last uh, you know half an hour or so that we've spoken I think uh, before you leave, uh, just a last piece of advice that you want to give it to, especially the young founders or the students who are just who are listening to this podcast. For students who are listening, I would say my biggest advice would be to create something early, anything. It could be a YouTube channel, it could be a blog post, it could be a blog, it could be a book, it could be a company. The first act of creation will change your life forever because you'll put all of your life into that first act of creation. even if it doesn't work you'll realize that you are in a way your well is empty and you'll fill your well again with dramatic new experiences and uh, then you'll kind of pour it out into the second act of creation then you'll fill your well again and life becomes very very rich and kaleidoscopic so i think for doing your first act of creation early is my biggest advice wow i think this is awesome karan and thank you for taking out time today with us it was lovely my pleasure No, thank you, thank you, Prakiran, on this. Thank you for the great interview. Thank you for reading the book, and thank you for supporting it. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And to all our listeners, thank you guys for joining us today. Do read this book, The Freedom Manifesto, to live the life of your calling. Bye, guys. Signing off for now.